fruit. No. Lord, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the report that we hear from Dan at Nicodavos. We thank you for how we've seen your hand uh, work in their lives and continue to work in the lives of those that they come into contact with. Lord, we do pray for the Custards and all that's going on there, all the emotions and feelings and questions only could imagine. Uh, but Lord, we know that you're aware of it. None of this caught you by surprise. Lord, I pray that uh, you would put people into their lives that be able to minister, speak the truth, um, love, uh, show the love of Christ to them. Lord, I do pray for Pastor and Debbie, continue to give them strength and relaxation, bring them back safely uh, to us. Lord, I pray we open your word tonight that uh, we would have a hearts of anticipation, wanting to hear from you, wanting and desiring to live for you. Um, and Lord, that is our desire. It's in your name we pray. Amen. As Larry had mentioned, and uh, most of you have your tickets, Josh will be getting uh, money from Larry afterwards to pay for his tickets. But next Sunday, immediately following the morning service, we're going to have our time of uh, a luncheon over at the uh, cafeteria. And you need to go ahead and get your tickets tonight if you haven't. Um, that, that way they will be able to get the food, have enough food um, for those that will be there. And that will be in lieu of an evening service. So just wanted to make sure you're aware of that. Last week, we started talking, and I will give some of our older generation an opportunity tonight to participate. Last week, we, some of our younger generation gave um, some of views of their concerns uh, for the challenges that their kids will face in the future. We talked about how can we learn from young people. And we talked about the people that we learn things from. And uh, really, it's, it's always our teacher or someone else, or our parent, or our grandparent. But very few times do we acknowledge or even, I think personally, and I'm as guilty as anybody, take the time to say, you know what, I can learn from this young person. Um, we did, a couple people did bring up the fact of, uh, I think it was Rick, about the reality of how we can learn from young people about how quickly they forgive each other. You know, so there are things constantly we can learn from young people. Last week we talked, and, and this is what's been on my heart and Larry's heart, because in our Sunday school class we've been going through the book of Daniel. And so an individual, a young person that we can learn from, probably between the ages of 14 and 17, when he um, comes into captivity under Nebuchadnezzar. Last week we talked about a, a couple of different areas that we can learn from him. Tonight we're going to fo I'll follow up on that. But let me just give you a quick reminder for those that forgot uh, Sunday night. Um, first of all, Daniel's challenges. And we talked about how those challenges are similar to what we face today. First of all, Daniel's challenge in the area of secular education. Um, when, he, when they came in there, what Nebuchadnezzar wanted to do is really just penetrate them with everything that they, um, he, you know, the Babylonians believed, all these false gods and everything. And they wanted to wipe out any religious background. That's why also they wanted to change their names. And so all that stuff, there was a challenge there. We face that same challenge today of the world trying to influence and change the teaching that we have as young, when, when they're young people. And as they get older. So there's the secular education uh, challenge. There's also the sinful enticements. Remember when Nebuchadnezzar and, and uh, his three friends and all of them, um, Nebuchadnezzar wanted to just say, hey, you get all this wine, all this food and everything else. I'm just going to really treat you better than you've ever been treated. Why? Because I want your loyalty. But Daniel and his friends said, we're not going to take that because that's not what God wants us to take. In the world today, there is a lot of sinful enticements out there, a lot of challenges to both young and old. 
And so that is the challenge. Also, the challenge that Daniel faced with the social edicts. Um, and that is the fact that um, there was a, um, a law made, and we'll look at it in a little bit, in Daniel chapter 6, that he could not practice his faith. You know, today, even in our society today, people are being arrested for praying, um, things happening in school and all these things. And it's only going to get worse when we take the stand and commit to our faith um, in all kinds, in all situations. There's going to be some situations where we're going to face some, some great challenges. And then there was the suffering entailed. And we know what happened to Daniel um, for, for living that way and throwing, being thrown into the lion's den. Um, I think in our society today, we're going to see some of those challenges, if, if not in some of your lifestyle or life, uh, lively time, um, probably in our kids' time. Um, we're going to see where when they, if they take a stand for their faith, they're going to uh, suffer persecution. And I think that that's exactly where our world's going. Then we saw Daniel's convictions. Um, we saw his convictions and commitments. Daniel's conviction about sin. He realized what sin really was. And he realized that it was against God first and foremost. And he realized the impact upon other people. Um, I wonder in our churches today, I wonder even here tonight, if we really understand what sin is. So often we've kind of, in, in a lot of churches as, as we move on, we've kind of uh, glossed over sin. We've not called sin, sin. We've called it something else. It's kind of like my, my, one of my undergraduate degrees is, is in psychology and counseling. And one of the things they always do, they want to throw a label to it. It's this or it's that. And they have all these labels to it. Well, we've done the same thing in church. Instead of calling sin, sin, we call it some other type of label. Um, and yet Daniel said, hey, when, it, when God says it's wrong, it's wrong. And I'm not going to do it. I, I have that conviction about that. We also had a commitment about the second coming of Christ, and you also had a commitment about eternity, about uh, what's going to happen when, when we pass away. And all of those things for a reason, it affected the way he lived. If you don't have a proper perspective of sin in your life and in other people's lives, it's going to affect the way you live. If you don't have a proper perspective of uh, with anticipation of Christ returning, it's going to affect the way you live. Oh, he'll come back next week or next month. I can do this right now. Or eternity and and being able to have to answer for the life that you live and the things that you do. All of those things affect the way we live. Am I right? Okay. I won't ask you to raise your hand. We know Pastor Luke settled that this morning. But am I right? Okay, it's not 6 o'clock in the morning like it was for... It's, you know, 6 o'clock, okay, 6.30 in the evening. But... If, if you don't look at those things from God's perspective, you, you'll, you'll, hey, I, I can do anything, live any way I want to. Um, we've learned that Daniel and his three friends refused to compromise their beliefs in the face of many challenges, similar to the challenges that we face today or will in the future. But tonight I want us to look at the commitment that led to an uncompromising life um, that we can be impacted by from Daniel's life. The commitment... That, being, uh, I'm not going to compromise no matter what. And there was that commitment resulted in several things. And we're going to look at that in just a moment. But you know, the story of compromise is a uh, pretty sad and sickening tale in Scripture. Think of some of those situations, some of those individuals that you've read about and you know about in Scripture where they have compromised. And then there was a result. There's a consistent result. And that is, it always leads to loss. Just popcorn answers here. What are 
think of someone who's compromised in Scripture and what was the result? Anybody? Saw. What happened? Okay. Anyone else? What happened to their compromise? What was their compromise and what happened? They didn't want to lie. They did. They lied to the Holy Spirit and they ended up dying. Another one. Yes, Robin. Okay. That would be a compromise. Was there an impact? Okay. Let's go back a little bit further. Mary. Okay. What was the compromise there? Okay. Any compromise with Adam and Eve? Hmm. Any consequence to that compromise? Does it infect anybody? Yeah. Duh. Say the obvious, Dad. <laughs> yeah. Okay. How about um, Esau? Compromised and lost his birthright. How about Aaron? Compromised about idolatry. We heard a little bit about that this morning. How about Samson, who compromised his character with Delilah and lost his strength, his eyes, and his life? Daniel lived an uncompromising life, and I believe God honored him for it and rewarded him for it. My question to you tonight, how would you define, and I know these questions are kind of hard, but how would you define or describe someone who's living an uncompromised life? I think we have two examples tonight. We just heard. And I think we can see some of the results of that. But how would you define it, describe it? Anybody? Hmm? Extreme? To live an uncompromised life is... It's extreme. Um, if I, without putting words in your mouth, being different. Uh, radical. I think you guys are studying that book. Radical. It means... Unlike anybody else. And radical really means unlike anyone else, even in the church. Living an uncompromised life. Some, someone else. How would you, what comes to your mind when you think? Is it being here on Sunday right on time? You know, is it make sure I put that money in the offering? What is the, how do we describe it? I think it costs you. Okay. You, you are punished by the outside world. Okay. You, So there's 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 a cost in there's a price to be paid living an uncompromised life. I mean, I love the statement that Pastor Luke, I wrote it down that Pastor Luke mentioned this morning. And he says, if there's one thing that you really want, if it's a car or a house or, a uh, you know, that, that perfect couple or something, like, that, there's one thing you really want and you can make and, deal, and God would give that to you. What would it be? And you think about it. Think about it, what would it be? But here's one stipulation. You would have less of God. Would you do it? If you would, it's idolatry. There is a cost. It means I won't do this. I won't do this at the cost of my relationship with God. So there's a cost. How else would we describe living an uncompromised life? Mary. Because they have so many kids? <laughs> There's a cost. 
What does it mean to really be totally sold out to God? That might be another way of looking at an uncompromised life. What's that? Okay. The idea of integrity, the definition of who you are when no one else is around. Okay. You know, there's some ways that it really cannot be described. I can't sit here and I won't sit here, stand here and, and judge and say, okay, Dave Geyer's living an uncompromised life, but this one's not. You know, there's some signs that show, okay, this guy's compromising or this person's compromising, but there's there some things that only God knows. Am I correct? Day in and day out. And so I believe when we look at the results and we look at the rewards that we will realize who's living an uncompromised life and who's not. I think we can learn some of these things from Daniel's life. First of all, the results of an uncompromised life is a life of courage. A life of courage. Look over in Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. Now, at the beginning of Daniel, you'll see a lot about Daniel. But then Daniel is either away, and then you hear about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And those were kind of like his buddies, his friends. And uh, this is where the courage comes in. Verse 16 of chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, this is where um, they were supposed to bow down to the image of gold, and they wouldn't do it. And he, out of respect and everything else, gives them another chance to do it, and they said, O King Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. In other words, our answer is not going to change. We're not going to do anything different. Verse 17, if that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O King. But if not, let it be known to you, O King, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. Regardless of the cost... I'm going to live an uncompromised life. That takes courage. That takes courage in the challenges that we face in our world today. And it's not going to get any easier. It is not going to get easier. It could be the challenges of five flat tires. And yet, I'm, I, I sat there and said, you know what? In my mind, I can't believe another flat tire. I can't believe it. But then I sit and listen, and I know God's probably like... This tire's flat. This tire's flat. Why? Because he stopped. He would have never stopped before. Stopped, had an opportunity, and led two people to Christ. Tell me God's not sovereign. Tell me God's not in control. But it takes courage. What about Daniel chapter 6, verse 10? I told you we'd look at this. This is Daniel before going into the lion's den. Verse 10 says this. Now, when Daniel knew that the right written... that it the written writing, rather, was signed. In other words, this is the edict that says, hey, if you worship any other God, you don't bow down, if you don't do this, what I've... There was a plot out against them. You're going to be thrown in the lion's den. Look what he said. And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before God. Now, if it stopped right there, you'd think, oh, he's trying to rub it in their face. Come get me, I dare you. But it... It wasn't something he just said, I'm going, to, I'm going to stand up and do it. That's not the courage we're talking about. His courage was something that he was already committed to 
and had a conviction about before this came along because it said it as he had always done. It was a commitment that he had made way before the challenge came along and he wasn't going to change. That takes courage because that was life or death. I'm not going to change. It takes courage. I need some help from the older generation. So I'm not going to call you out. I just want you to, to answer. I've heard this question thrown out so many times. But to the older generation, do you think it is harder for young people today to live for the Lord, to live an uncompromising life than when you were younger? And why? Dave Geyer, you're shaking your head. I'm not calling you an older generation, but you're shaking your head. Okay. Why is it different today than when you were a teen? Not helping out in the teen, but the teen. So much more is available to them instantaneously. I mean, if, if, we wanted, if I wanted to sin as a young man, it really took some work to do it. Today, it's just like, click, there it is. Okay. So the challenges are different than when you were here. So, but do you think that the the you think it was impo- it's impossible? No. Do you think that they need more of the Holy Spirit today than they than you did to live for the Lord? He knows I'm setting them up, but I'm I'm throwing this question out because I really struggle with the idea that it's it's harder for the young people today to live for the Lord than it was when when we were young, and I struggle with it for this reason. Here's the thought you need to think about. When it was easier for you, okay, older generation, raise your hand if you believe it was easier for you when you were a teenager to live for the Lord than it is for teenagers today. Raise your hand. Okay. Majority of the older generation that will admit it, that they would say it's easier. Here's a thought. Is it easier to live for the Lord in the midst of, of consequences and suffering and challenges than it is when it's going easy, when there's no pressure, I will tell you, it's probably more dangerous in that less pressured atmosphere where, where it's not that hard to live for the Lord. Because of this, there's a subtle, a subtlety about it that really puts you into complacency. You know why it struggles in, in Highlands Christian Academy? I know of individuals who were Christians and sold out and went to, were going into public school and they were standing strong and they were, or they were on fire for the Lord. Do we see that that often in our Christian school? Not often because they become complacent because everyone is doing it. And I wonder that the challenge that you faced as a teenager was just a different challenge, but you had to fight complacency and that's very dangerous. And I wonder if churches today are affected by it because of your complacency. Yes, Beth. Mrs. Kruger. One of the questions I ask on a Wednesday night prayer meeting is what is it do you think that made the church in Acts 
flourish so quickly? And everyone quickly answered it, the suffering. Yeah, God used the suffering to separate because people would not um, move away and move around. But the suffering is what increased the um, strength in their faith, all of those things. And God's grace was sufficient there. But I wonder so often when we're complacent and the morale back when you guys were, the, the moral standard was higher. But everyone just, hey, I thought it was like, think about the situation that Daniel and his friends were going through. There was no morale. There was no moral standards. They were suffering when you took a stand and you were courageous. So think about that thought that so often we say it's harder for the kids today. I just wonder if it's just a different challenge that they face. And it may be a little bit more easier to do those things. But I've seen in the Christian realm that when the heat's turned up, you see those who are really living an uncompromised life flourish. And I see it impact people's lives. Where when everyone's doing it, complacency. Let me move on. Not only Daniel's courage, but also his confidence. I believe an uncompromised life results in confidence. Confidence in oneself? No. Every single time Nebuchadnezzar wanted to give attention or um, you know, give gifts and all this stuff to, to Daniel, what did he do? He pointed to God. The interpretation of this dream, this, this, it was God. It was not me. His confidence in God increased. His faith increased. When you're living an uncompromised life, your confidence in what God's doing and how he, do, how he works increases. Daniel was living such a holy and righteous life, walking in the power that God gave him. He wasn't afraid of his commitment before others. He didn't worry about what others were thinking. Not only his confidence, not only his courage, but his consistency. Another result of an uncompromised life is consistency. Daniel lived a consistent, holy, godly life for more than 70 years in the Babylonian um, palace. And then when Nebuchadnezzar was out of there and the Persian um, community came in and reigned, he still stayed faithful. Not only that, as we talked about, he was taken away from his family and everyone else. A time to compromise, he was not. He lived an uncompromised life. He was consistent. Well, those were the results, some of the results we see in Daniel and his friend's life for living an uncompromised life. Let's look at the rewards. Now, when we talk about rewards, we think of maybe money or something like this. I separate these rewards into earthly rewards and heavenly rewards. Our mind obviously goes to heavenly rewards and we'll get there. But I believe one of the first rewards that Daniel, earthly reward that Daniel received and I believe we will receive them as well, is he had a special impact. On several occasions, God gave Daniel and his three friends an impact on those around because of their uncompromising life, because of their obedience. Let me give you an example, that 10-day dietary trial that Daniel said, hey, we don't want to take that, but what about 10 days we'll eat these vegetables? And some people believe, ah, you know, I'm not a health nut and everything else, but some people say, oh, they look better in 10 days because of what they were eating. No, I believe it was God's intervention that changed their appearance and made them look better in their appearance. And there was an 
influence and an impact there because of their obedience to God. And I believe God, if you're going to live an uncompromised life, I believe God can impact people around you because of it. Not only special impact, I think they were special intelligence. They were ten times wiser than all the elders. It didn't say that these guys were, you know, uh, they had great backgrounds. They did come from an um, educated family and they were taught from where they came from in Judah. But God gave them that intelligence. God gave them that insight. God gave them that smarts. Does anybody know what Psalm 119 verse 11 says? No, verse 11 and 119. Young people love this. It talks about how you being obedient and faithful, you can be wiser than your teachers. So I think it's 119 verse 11. I, maybe I typed it wrong. I probably did. But I, someone, 119, have I heard that word? Okay, and... Over there in Psalm 119, someone find it, Amy, and let me know. But it talks about us being wiser than our teachers. God can do that, can give us that earthly, that, that intelligence. Not only that, but I believe one of the rewards, earthly rewards, was a special insight. We may use the word discernment. God allowed Daniel to understand, interpret dreams, and describe the dream in one case, when it, when it was even told. And you go, come on, Pastor Steve. Do you really think that God's going to tell us or give us a dream or we're going to, you know, Larry's going to go around and interpret pre- people's dreams at Highlands Christian Academy? No. But I believe that if you're living an uncompromised life, that you have discernment and insight on situations. And God gives you that direction in the time that you need it. You can discern if uh, something's going on that you need to, to uh, circumstances, the choices you need to make. You can discern when, hey, I need to get out of this situation. I shouldn't be in it. 119? 99. Okay. Thank you. It's that finger. I hit the wrong number, okay? My excuse, I'm sticking with it. Anyways, um, not a, a special discernment. Have you ever recognized when you're living close to God and when you're serving Him that God gives you some, wait a second, this doesn't feel right. You know, um, I always pray for that when I'm going to the hospital and going to meet with someone or a hospital visits or something. God, you give me discernment. You give me the words to say. Can He still do it today like He did with Daniel? Not only special insight and influence and intelligence, uh, but also influence. Think about this, the, the lives that Daniel influenced. Not only the king, but other big officials. He also had great influence on his close friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He also had a great influence on the other captives because there were hundreds of captives. What about you? Living an uncompromised life, you can have great influence on your neighbors, on your boss, on your employees, on your children, on your grandchildren, on your great-grandchildren. You can have that impact, that influence, by living an uncompromised life. Here's the one, James chapter 1. Hopefully I wrote this one or typed it right. James chapter 1. 
If you'd turn there with me. I did. James chapter 1, verse 12, says this, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Talking about a reward in heaven. Faithfulness is not only the doorway to the fullest life here and now, but such a life will be crowned in the hereafter. We must never forget, and I think this is something we need to remember when we're trying to live for the Lord or or committed to live for the Lord. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether good or bad. Everyone who is living a self-serving life will one day realize what Solomon learned, that all is vanity. Only the ashes of an empty life is all that they will have to show for the years of living for themselves and ignoring the will of God for their life. But Jesus' promises and experience confirms that those like Daniel and like Apostle Paul, who were faithful servants of the Lord, will find that they have lived life to the fullest. No one who has lost their will in the Lord's will ever live to regret it. But many have gone to their grave regretting they had not done so. The cost will no doubt get greater to living faithfully for Jesus in the days ahead. But my friend, as the life of Daniel shows, the rewards from the Lord will far outweigh the cost. Not only in this life, but also in the life to come. The commitment and conviction to live this way is decided ahead of time, not in the middle of a challenge. You have to make that decision ahead of time. Don't wait till oh, the, the stove's turned up a little bit and it gets a little hotter in your life. Make that commitment and that, have that conviction that you're going to live an uncompromised life for Christ beforehand. I'm reminded of a story I heard once of a handicapped individual, a man who was in a wheelchair. And the pastor was preaching and walking. I thought I could do that. But a pastor was preaching and talking about a challenge to live a life totally committed and surrendered to the Lord. And this man in this wheelchair comes down during the invitation. And he asked the pastor, he goes, Pastor, can the Lord use half a man? The pastor responded this way. Son, the Lord can and will use half a man who is fully surrendered to him. The question is, will he use a whole man who's half surrendered to him? In these days of increasing challenges to our faith... We need Daniels who will not allow the world to mold them into their image. We need Daniels who are willing to hold to their conviction regardless of the challenges or consequences for doing so. We need Daniels who have the courage of their convictions. Christians that are strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Christians who have put on the whole armor of God that they may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. 
Christians who want to keep the torch of faith lit to pass on to their children and grandchildren. Christians who who say with the Apostle Paul, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, working for us a far more exceeding and internal weight of glory. Christians who want to come to the end of their lives and be able to say about their lives what Apostle Paul said when his time was there. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which is the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me on that day. And not for me only, but also all to those, also to those who love his appearing. Are you going to be a Daniel? Are you a Daniel? I think we've heard a testimony for our missionaries tonight of two Daniels living an uncompromised life, and we see how God is using them. My question is for you. As Larry and the praise team comes up, and we're going to close with a song that we sang this morning, but I think is so appropriate, the words and the challenge to live an uncompromised life, not being half-hearted for God, but being wholehearted Totally surrendered to him. Only you can make that choice. Let's stand with Larry and the praise team as we sing this song. And sing it from your heart. And then you're dismissed.